Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. This isn't about for Democrats. This is for the American people. This is about patriotism. It's not about politics, Democrats, Republicans. It's not about anything political. It's about patriotism. It's about honoring our oaths of office. Are you listening and, to this? And to uphold the Constitution. If you wouldn't know the Constitution, the Constitution from toilet spells paper. spells out what our responsibilities are and what our penalties are. If they're, unbelievable, unbelievable. Here is a woman, Nancy Pelosi, who infested San Francisco and destroyed it. In the years she has been here, she and Feinstein have infested the city with bums, illegal aliens, and corruption unlike anything seen since the gold rush. And now she's telling us about patriotism, that her desire to destroy the opposition party's presidency has nothing to do with patriotism. It's all about, oh, it's about patriotism, rather. Sorry. It's about the Constitution. Here is a woman who has spit on the Constitution. Here is a woman who has turned the U.S. Constitution into a piece of toilet paper by ignoring the constitutional requirements to protect this nation, from an invasion force from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua, you name it. I can go down the list, but I'm only playing her to show you how cynical she is and how out of touch with reality the entire Democrat political machine is that they think anyone believes a word she says. Even her most ardent supporters who are in on the grift know she's full of crap. You actually believe Pelosi is trying to destroy the presidency because... She ups, she's upholding the Constitution. You know that's not true. They bungled the first day of impeachment hearings. Everybody knows that. Even the most ardent haters of Trump, who are objective, said that the hearings uh, did not go their way. Many people wrote great articles about it. Yes, maybe he committed some mistakes here. Maybe he, oh, was close to committing a crime, but there's not enough here for an impeachment. That's a very serious thing to do to a president. Now they've changed it from one thing to another. Now it's bribery. What she is doing to the president is extorting him. Pelosi is an extortionist, and there must be a crime of extortion that she could be charged with by the president and the attorney general. She is the one running these hearings. She is the brains, if you want to call it brains. She's the vicious mind, which is more apt, the vicious mind behind the shill. Shift the shill. Bug-eye shill. She is extorting the president with these false claims of bribery. You all know what bribery is. You give someone money, and if they don't, or you, you tell somebody they got to do something or else. Well, what's the or else? Where was the or else in here? There was no or else. They never withheld the money from this corrupt, stinking nation of Ukraine. What the hell do we give a damn about Ukraine for all of a sudden? Like they're our best friends. A bunch of corrupt individuals running a destitute, corrupt nation. And now all of a sudden they're held up as some great sterling example of a democracy. Don't you see the bigger picture here? Don't you understand what's really involved? It goes beyond Trump. The Democrats want war with Russia. Because if you think that their greed has limits, you are mistaken. 
they would burn a nation to the ground for a dime. They'd bury their own children alive for a penny. It's sickening to watch this. But I'm not going to make the whole show about that. I have many other things to talk about. The Dems screwed up their first day of impeachment, but that's my opinion. The Mason-Dixon line has been established for quite a while now. Both sides are dug in. People can interpret these fake hearings any way they want. The uh, Adam Schiff crowd says it proves uh, bribery, this and that. The other side says nonsense, it's crap, it's all made up. We know where this is going. This is not, this is not liberalism as a mental disorder. This is liberalism as a criminal enterprise. It's a cartel. It's a gang. They're bigger than any cartel in the world, the Democrat Party. If you actually analyze the amount of money they control and they steal and, sh- and, and shift, shift to themselves, their friends, their family, do I have to go into the solar contracts? All the solar plants in the desert that produced nothing under Obama? Must we talk about Solyndra again and the disappearing billions in case you're missing the big point here? It's all about money and nothing else than money. You say it could be about power. Power and money are intertwined. So we're going to talk about other things. I have two guests today, which is unusual. This is a very big show. We have a guest at the bottom of this hour who will talk about Erdogan, who is not the man you may think he is. In fact, I'm the only one in the media who was appalled yesterday uh, by the president standing next to this man, Erdogan. And we have a columnist from the Washington Examiner who agrees with me. He said Trump should not, she says, Trump should not trust Erdogan and about Erdogan's visit to the White House. It was a disastrous decision to make on the heels of this fake Ukraine thing to bring in this guy. It's unbelievable to me. I don't know who who did this. He needs me as an advisor in the worst possible way. And you could laugh, oh, he don't need you. He don't need you. He needs the others. Oh, yeah, he needs the others. They're not doing a very good job. The optics were very bad with the flags from Turkey. Do you know what those flags symbolize to the millions of Armenians in the world and in America? That was Hitler standing there with the Nazi flag. But let, let's put that aside for the moment. We'll talk about that. And in the second hour, I have some guests who are really heroes of mine. If you ever watched the, the um, Netflix show called Narcos, remember the two guys who brought down Pablo Escobar? They're on the show today. They're older men. They're real heroes, as opposed to the fake heroes that the Democrats march out. And they'll be with us on the Savage Nation to talk about their new book. I can't believe they're still alive, meaning that they survived what they did. They're amazing men. In fact, there's a picture of Escobar after he's dead on the roof of a building in Colombia, and one of the agents, Murphy, is standing next to him with a drawn pistol. He's on the show today. Those are two things. But let me back it up for a minute. Radio shows are very personal. At least for me, they are. They're not mechanical. They're not predictable. They're very personal. So let me start with yesterday, if you don't mind. And um, yesterday, if you may... If you remember it, if you listen to the show very carefully, something happened to me a few minutes before the end of hour number one into the beginning of hour number two that I disclosed to nobody. But I, I was poisoned by accident, and it was, it was I who did it. The CIA didn't do it to me. I did it. You see, I had some tea tree oil that I was using in my bathtub during showers. To uh, just I just like the scent of tea tree oil, okay? It's that simple. I don't know how this happened. But apparently, I accidentally spilled a drop of tea tree oil on a toothbrush. And during the break, I ran into the bathroom to brush my teeth. To get, I mean, just to brush my teeth, people do these things, right? 
clarify the, the oral cavity for the radio show. I poisoned myself with tea tree oil, and I was dizzy, choking on it. It's a toxic poison. Uh, don't take it internally, this and that. I didn't know what to do. I was dizzy. I was a, But the show went on. The show went on because I'm a, I'm a consummate performer, and I drank almond milk, which helped, and stuff like that. And then after the show, I went home and took a nap, and I felt better. And then at night, those of you who are lucky enough to go to the Savage event at the club I was in, I went to the club last night for a pre-Thanksgiving dinner called the Friendsgiving Dinner. It was fabulous. It was just fabulous. I haven't posted. I, t I posted one picture of it, by the way, without disclosing where it is on, on my Twitter feed. It may be on michaelsavage.com. And it shows me standing with a cocktail in my hand, having recovered from the poisoning the uh, tea tree oil poisoning because I discussed it with the doctor at the, the the doctor behind the bar. I told him, I said, I can't drink tonight. I was mildly poisoned today. He said, why don't you try a vodka? That can't hurt you. I said, of course it can, but let's try it. It seems to cure everything. Little vodka. And the old Italian lady who said to me, there's not anything that a little coffee, a little garlic, and a, a little wine can't cure. I say that there's nothing that a little vodka, a little vitriol, and a little vitamins can't cure. So there I am standing in this secret location with a cocktail in my hand, looking up at two animals whose heads are on the wall. I don't know where they're from. It's probably going, it goes back to the 1930s or 40s when the older gentlemen who inhabited this place were in a different universe than we are today. And my tweet was very simple. I said, what Schiff would like to do with Trump, what Pelosi would like to do with Trump, which is put his stuffed head on a wall. Uh, she's not doing it for the Constitution. She's doing it because she's a vicious harridan, a vicious, vicious harridan. Well, nevertheless, I enjoyed the party last night, the pre-Thanksgiving party. Uh, I'll tell you what happened. It's an interesting side story because I was still a little worried about the uh, tea tree oil in my system. I decided to absorb the residue of these toxins with fats. Now, normally I'm on a very restricted diet. I have been for 50 years, which is why I'm still living. I'm on a low cholesterol, low fat diet ever since the 1970s when I was writing health books. Never forget, I'm a pioneer in this field. Never mind the people with quadruple bypass who are on oxygen during radio shows, who boasted about eating hamburgers and smoking cigars. They know nothing, zero, nothing about food, nothing about food and diet, but they're experts on everything else. But I actually know an awful lot about food and diet. So I've avoided saturated fats for over 40 years because that was my specialty because I was trying to avoid dying young in plain English. So I decided last night I was going to eat all the fatty foods to absorb the residues of the toxin. It was the best meal I've had in years. You know, when you haven't eaten fatty foods and you suddenly eat plates full of mashed potatoes, which I haven't eaten in 50 years, and the extra, extra loads of gravy on the, uh, on the uh, turkey, wow, did it taste good. Did I lay on the gravy on the mashed potatoes? And I must tell you, I was feeling no pain on the way home. The Golden Gate Bridge looked better than ever. The night sky was gorgeous. The stars were beautiful. The air was cool. And I feel good today. Despite the fact that we are living through a constitutional crisis where a gang, nothing more than a gang, a gang under Nancy Pelosi, who is the chief gangster, is trying to steal an election out from under the American people. Remember what I just said to you. This is not the first you've heard this. It's absolutely true. She is a gang leader trying to overturn a duly constituted election 
in the name of greed, money, and power. That's all she's doing. Nothing more than that. Will they succeed? Maybe they'll succeed under the corrupt Democrats. Will they succeed amongst the Senate Republicans? At this point, as I said in my article, the interview in the Breitbart article, the famous article that's gotten um, an awful lot of attention, we don't know what the Republicans are liable to do. I'm terrified that under Mitch McConnell, they could pull the rug out from under Trump if push comes to shove, because I trust Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party as much as I trust the symbol of the Republican Party. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I want to talk for a minute about the electric communist uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm calling her an electric communist because she seems she's been uh, on her deathbed for quite a while. I don't know anyone who survived pancreatic cancer, and I know she's incompetent and incapable of making rational judgments given the level of her illness. And I believe that there's a bigger game here uh, than impeaching Trump right now. And what you have to see is you want to see the real game. I'm the one who plays four-dimensional chess. And in this game of four-dimensional chess, what Pelosi and her gang are doing is trying to run the clock out as fast as they can on Trump's presidency before Ginsburg dies and goes to hell. Because if she does die and go to hell, cross the river sticks, Trump gets to put another Supreme Court justice on, and they're trying to block that eventuality by all means necessary. You, th- you think they don't see that? I'm playing four-dimensional chess. They're looking beyond this. They see if they could tie him up in some way uh, before she uh, dies. You know what I'm saying? 
then they keep the seat for another communist, anti-American, like herself. Uh, and I don't believe that they're going to win on this one. And he's going to have real vengeance on this one. And, uh, boy, that's going to be fun in 2020 to see the uh, Supreme Court justice go through this again. Wow. Let's take some callers. I have so many things I want to do all at once, and I'm doing them in uh, the order that I can do them. Bill in Florida, line two, you're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Dr. Savage, how are you? What's up? I, um, I love Trump. I love your show. I think you're advising him every day on your show. And I don't think you belong in the swamp. You belong right behind the mic. Well, I, I, I will say this. I know that I'm invited to the White House for a major holiday party this December that I was invited to last year. It was one of the prouder moments of my life, and I got to meet the president personally during that trip as well as afterwards on Air Force One. Uh, so, again, I know that despite my occasional criticism of the president, because to me no no man is above criticism, including myself. I think he's a big enough man to understand that a man who's honest needs to occasionally disagree with him. He knows what an ass kisser is, and he knows that, uh, you know, you can't trust people who say you're right all the time. And frankly, coming from New York, as he does and as I do, the only thing he can count on is someone will tell him the truth at this stage of people stabbing him in the back. By the way, we don't know who's leaking inside the White House. We don't know which one of them is stabbing him every day. I have my ideas about who it is. And I've expressed them from time to time. But um, I think he understands this. You know, there's another article i got to talk about quickly. I posted it this morning. It was pretty amazing. Steve Mnuchin's wife rails against the Trump administration for permitting the importation of trophies of slaughtered and endangered majestic animals. Good for her. Good for that lady. Good for her. This is not a laughing matter. This is not a laughing matter. And by the way, on a purely political level, if you want to get some of the, quote, suburban women back, do something about the vermin who are bringing in the skulls of lions, the skulls of uh, endangered species. Good for her. Of course, people made a joke of it and uh, of her doing it, uh, saying things like, uh, you know, I'm talking about the trophy animals, right? And, and I know personally Donald Trump says he's, he's appalled by it, incidentally. But the, uh, indus the industry is so powerful. The trophy industry is so powerful. Somebody says, how about this? She's just lucky the administration permits trophy wives. I thought that was clever. There are people with a good sense of humor, even though Jim says no. Jim is shaking his head. I hope to meet Mrs. Mnuchin at the holiday party and tell her how I admire her for standing up for the noble creatures who have nobody defending them inside the halls of Congress. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I was critical of uh, the visit to the White House of the Turkish Prime Minister, not because I have a vendetta against this particular man, but because his policies are rather draconian, and I do not think we need a dictator who is a crypto-fascist in the White House and uh, I thought I was alone because no one else in the media seemed to have even said that. And that's okay. It's good to be the lead sled dog because all the other dogs always look at the same view, which is you're behind. And uh, we have now with us someone who wrote an article that concurs with that viewpoint, Kaylee McGee, a columnist at the Washington Examiner, who has written the following. Trump should not trust Erdogan 
and on Erdogan's visit to the White House. Kaylee McGee, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, you're the only one who seems to know a little bit about Erdogan. Can you tell us what you think about him? Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind, like you were saying, Erdogan is an autocrat. And the only thing that he cares about is himself and his power. And he's made that very clear in the policies that he's enacted in his own country and against his own people. And a lot of times those policies are very counterproductive to U.S.-Turkey relations. And they actually undermine the U.S. agenda in a lot of ways. So the fact that Trump is meeting with him is not necessarily a horrible thing, but Trump also should not let this guy bully us around. I found it odd that Mr. Trump chose to have Erdogan in the very day of the fake impeachment hearings. Why do you think he did that? I think that it could be to show the American people that he's working on actual policy, actual diplomatic relations, while Congress kind of does its clown show over there with the impeachment proceedings. So it could be that he also doesn't really want the media to focus on Erdogan's presence in D.C. in the first place, since quite a few people have been critical of his decision to withdraw from Syria and the fallout that that's had with Turkey. Mm. Well, I was opposed to it. I thought the abruptness of the withdrawal was shocking, number one. Uh, But number two, Turkey got a a real handout here of, what, 25 miles of land when we withdrew. Basically, they moved in and displaced was it 500,000 people into, out, of, out of northern Syria? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it took him about two days to start bombing our Kurdish allies over there, too. So Erdogan, again, he cares about himself. He doesn't care about American friends. He doesn't care about his NATO allies. And he certainly doesn't care about the Kurds. And he's made that very clear. Let's put this, the Kurds aside for a minute, even though I'm not trying to marginalize these great people. They're great warriors, and they're great allies of America, and they're shocked by what was done to them. We mustn't forget that. Can you tell the audience today who Erdogan is? Where did he come from? How long has he been in office? And is he, is he a dictator in reality? I think he is. He's on his way to becoming a totalitarian dictator. So he's not necessarily the likes of Kim Jong-un yet, but he is absolutely on his way to becoming there. I, I mean, he has actively turned the Turkish people against the U.S. multiple times. In 2016, he blamed us for a failed Turkish military coup, which was a ludicrous and false claim, but he wanted to do that in order to turn Turkey and the rest of the Middle East against the West. And this guy is supposed to be our NATO ally. He should not be blaming us for his people turning against him, but that's exactly what he does. And there are multiple reports that he has actually enabled ISIS's rise in Syria and the rest of the regime, allowing ISIS soldiers to march through Turkey on a base, Mm. even arming them in some cases. Mm. There are so many troubling reports like that. Kylie, you know an awful lot about this subject. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background? How do you know so much about Turkey and Erdogan? Is this a, a passion of yours or a subject you've studied? Um, Absolutely. I've been interested in Middle Eastern affairs for a long time, and I spent hours going over different media reports from what happened in 2016 and 2017, um, specifically in regards to how Turkey handled ISIS. And again, the media reports are very alarming. Um, There were a lot of Middle Eastern intelligence that from Jordan, specifically in Israel, that came out literally pointing to ISIS soldiers who admitted that they had been assisted by Turkish soldiers, and that in some cases were even given weapons by Turkish soldiers. 
So the information is out there. It's not new, and it's not even a secret, but it seems like no one else wants to talk about it. In the Washington Post, an Omar Taspinar wrote an article, Turkey Takes a Big Step Toward Nationalist Fascism, and he writes that the uh, executive office power in Turkey has not been so centralized and personalized in the hands of one man since Mustafa Kemal Ataturk founded the Republic in 1923. Did, did um, Erdogan change the rules in his own country to stay in power? I think so, for sure. I mean, the way that he has kind of crippled the economy in a lot of ways by refusing to work with the U.S., he has basically self-imposed sanctions on his own economy by continuously working against U.S. interests, leaving the U.S. no choice but to put sanctions on his economy. And then mm. he turns around and blames us for doing that. So it's constantly putting his own country down and then using that to climb his way up further up the ladder. And, you know, Trump really needs to take a hard stand against him. And it will be a tough balancing act because obviously this guy is our NATO ally. He's an important economic partner in some regards. But at the same time, I mean, Erdogan's personality proves that he's going to throw a temper tantrum if he doesn't get his way. So We're speaking with Kylie McGee, a columnist at the Washington Examiner, where she says Trump should not trust Erdogan, and also about Erdogan's visit to the White House, which I, I was actually appalled by yesterday. I read that Turkey is deeply polarized along ethnic lines, Kylie. What is that about? Yeah, so this is kind of what we're seeing play out in the rest of the Middle East as well, these ethnic divisions that autocrats like Erdogan have used to stoke division among his own people and use that to his own advantage. So it's we're seeing that play out with um, the Kurds versus the rest of Turkey kind of along those lines as well. So it's very common in that region. Uh, yet during t- uh, his visit yesterday, the press conference, which was right on the heels of, of, of the charade, the sham uh, impeachment investigation by that idiot uh, uh, Schiff, Schiffster, Erdogan said that we're concerned about our minorities and that churches will be rebuilt in Turkey. We're going to protect the Christians. Did you happen to hear that part of the speech? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a great speech to make. But again, Erdogan's words don't really matter here. If he really cared about the Christian minorities in Turkey and the rest of the Middle East, then the question is, why did he enable ISIS? Why did he allow ISIS soldiers to pass through his country unabated? Why did he arm them? I mean, ISIS beheaded Christians, dozens of them. So this is not, again, like until we see action, then I don't think that Erdogan's words should be trusted. I'm reading that Erdogan controls the media, silences critics, rewards sycophants, and distributes economic favors to cronies. Sounds like Nancy Pelosi to me. Uh, (laughs) It also says he rigs elections. Sounds like Nancy Pelosi to me with the illegal aliens in California. So this uh, autocracy of Erdogan is really not unusual here in America when you consider California is now run by the same autocracy, the same mentality of an autocracy. And America itself is fighting Trump in many ways because he's an outsider who actually took on the autocracy of of both parties in some ways. But that's a a topic for another time. Kylie, are there any final words on this visit of Erdogan? Where, Where will it go from here with Trump? I think that Trump needs to hold Erdogan at arm's length. So we can't necessarily afford to abandon our NATO ally completely, but we also should not 
put ourselves in a position where we are bullied by someone like Artagon, who does not have our own interests at heart, and he actually doesn't have his people's interests at heart either. He's acting for one person and one person only, and that is himself. And Trump needs to keep that in mind moving forward. Doesn't Turkey have the f- one of the largest militaries on Earth? It could be, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure what the numbers are, but it would. No, I don't know. I, I know that that um, they have a very large standing army, and they're fabulous soldiers, and uh, they are not bound by the same rules of engagement as our fighting men are, unfortunately. So, in the long run, maybe it's best that we take a putative dictatorship or a nascent dictatorship and try to constrain it by waving them into our uh, sphere of influence and controlling uh, the future motions of Erdogan by bringing him in. You could say that as well. Yeah, and Trump's strategy with Erdogan could be quite similar to the way that he handles Kim Jong-un and the other dictators that he's met with. So Trump has come under a lot of criticism for entertaining Kim Jong-un back and forth, etc., And the reason that he does that, though, is because he understands that there are genuine national security interests at stake with the U.S. having a good relationship or as good as it can get with North Korea. So it could be the exact same situation here. But again, it's important to keep in mind who we're dealing with here. Kylie McGee, columnist at The Washington Examiner, saying Trump should not trust Erdogan and also her comments on Erdogan's visit to the White House can be read. Where? What is the direct way to read your stuff, Kylie? Just go to the Washington Examiner, and my author page should be up there. I really admire your intelligence and your um, ability to express yourself verbally. Thank you, Kylie. Appreciate your being on The Savage Nation. Thanks for having me. See, this is what I'm talking about. I don't look for Fox News guests, uh, rehashes, replays. You're not going to hear the same crap every day about impeachment that you could hear all day long on every channel. I'm trying to keep you educated about what else is going on in the world because, believe me, there's a much bigger world than Nancy Pelosi's uh, little sideshow here. I'll be right back on The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, The Savage Nation. Perhaps you have not heard me when I have said this is something we're very, do with a heavy heart. This is very prayerful. Because impeaching is is a divisive thing in our country. It's hard. You should be thrown in jail for what you've done to this country. I only pray to God. I only pray to God justice prevails here in what she's done to this nation. What a lying woman this is. I want you to listen to the lies of Pelosi in clip five. She says he violated his oath by threatening to withhold military aid. I've read the transcript. He never threatened to withhold military aid. She's lying through her rotten mannequin face. She then said, you jeopardized our national security. Can anyone listening to this radio show tell me what the hell Ukraine has to do with our national security? What were they threatening to invade? She she says he undermined our national security. How? Anyone listening to the show think that Ukraine was ready to invade New York? Well, where were they coming in through Hoboken? They're coming from north, south, east, or west, Nancy. Listen to this liar in clip five. She should be thrown out of Congress for what she's saying. This is poisoning the world. Listen to 05. The devastating testimony corroborated evidence of bribery uncovered in the inquiry and that the president abused power and violated his oath by 
threatening to withhold military he never did withhold aid and White military House meeting aid. in liar. exchange for an investigation Lie. He never said it was an exchange, liar. A clear attempt of the president to give himself the advantage liar. in the 2020 election. Liar, doing filthy so, liar, dirty Nancy. The president. Jeopardize our national security. Liar. Undermine our national security. Pants on fire. integrity of our electoral system. Oh, shut the hell up. Violate. I'll tell you who's You're violating unsupported. the electoral system. You are with your illegal aliens, you lying thing, you. I can't take Hitler. I would have fought Hitler in the underground if I were in Germany. I would have been one of the Jews who ran in the woods and cut a farmer's throat to steal a gun to kill Nazis. And I will fight this fascist with the last ounce of breath I have. I can't take it anymore. You are listening to one of the greatest lies in our entire political life. This woman is a skilled, professional liar. Threatening to withhold military aid. He never did. Read the transcript. Never mind what that sneak Schiff said. Schiff made it up. Trump never said that. I heard the transcript. I read the transcript, didn't you? And yet they're continuing the big lie, just like Goebbels said. Goebbels was Hitler's propaganda minister who said, if you tell a big lie often enough, it becomes the truth. And for all of the weak-minded Americans out there who want to believe Trump is Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin rolled into one, they're feeding them big lies over and over and over again. And you as an American have a right and an obligation, rather, to stand up to this criminal thief, Nancy Pelosi. He never jeopardized our national security. He never undermined our national security. He never threatened to withhold military aid. She is undermining our national security by bringing in millions of illegal aliens who have destroyed our elections. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book, see the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. We don't even have a made a decision to impeach. That's what the inquiry is about. And when the, the committees decide that, and they will decide what the articles are. But I am saying... Uh, that what is uh, the president has admitted to and says it's perfect. I said it's perfectly wrong. It's bribery. How can the American people take us? Here's a woman who flooded California with non-citizens to keep her and her cronies in power for all these years. Destroyed the city of San Francisco with her mismanagement or her lack of management. And now what she did to San Francisco and California, she wants to do to America. She then goes on in clip five, and I'll tell you, if any fair-minded American listens to this and knows it's all lies and doesn't get as outraged as I am, you know, you really ought to check your med levels. If you're not getting as upset as I am over Pelosi's lies in clip five, you ought to check your medical levels. Listen to 05. The devastating testimony corroborated evidence of bribery. Lie one. Uncovered in the inquiry and that the president Lie. abused power and Lie violated two. his oath by 
threatening to withhold military aid lie. and a White a House lie. in exchange for an investigation. I can't listen to this filthy liar. I can't take it anymore. Trump never threatened to withhold military aid. We've read the transcript, haven't you? She goes on and says he jeopardized our national security. How did he jeopardize our national security? Can anyone listening to this tel- this radio show, anybody, tell me, where is the truth in what this lying witch has said? He didn't violate our national security. How did he undermine our national security? Another big lie, the Democrat machine. When did Ukraine become central to America's national security? Tell me when. I want one person, progressive or otherwise, to get on this, tel- on this radio show and say to the American people, yes, Trump undermined our national security. Prove it. Call the show and prove it. First of all, Trump never threatened him. He said, look into the corruption of Biden and his son. Are we all conveniently forgetting that the son made 50000 a month for doing nothing? Now, that's bribery. But, you know, the Democrats are experts at criminal activity. And something they've learned is by accusing the other side of what they are doing, the moronic American drug-addicted, sports-addicted, uh, entertainment-addicted fools who watch Robert De Niro making believe he's a big gangster. Robert De Niro is going to be a big gangster on Netflix. That's what they want to see. We have gangsters running the Democrat Party. I don't have to go to Netflix to see a gangster. And who's their altar boy? Who's the altar boy of the gangsters running the Democrat Party? Little old Schiff, the smart lawyer. The smart lawyer. They got a very smart lawyer, a mouthpiece, to run it for them. That's what they did. This is a horrible movie we're watching. We're watching the meltdown of the United States of America under the iron heels of Nancy Pelosi. She's the one behind it all. Oh, I don't believe the stories that she really didn't want to do it. She's too smart. She knew it would be divisive. She knew this. She knew that. And she was pushed by a occasional cortex. I don't believe a word of it. It's all a charade. Pelosi has a dream. And has to be President Pelosi. Don't you remember that? You don't remember that little show? Well, we'll, we'll get there, Michael. Senator Pelosi. Congressman Pelosi. President Pelosi. We didn't have time, Dad. We'll get there. We'll get there. Here's this 80-year-old woman who is actually plotting in a conspiracy, in my estimation, to decapitate the American government by taking down Trump and Pence in one fell swoop and become the president of the United States. That, I said this to you a month ago. It was then picked up by the news. I can see this from a mile away. I can read this from a mile away. This is what their plan is to tie Pence to Trump, bring them both down, and install Nancy Pelosi as president. If you think this is far-fetched, uh, you don't really understand how politics works in a corrupt dictatorship. And that's what they want to bring us to. They want us to bring us to the level of Uruguay or Paraguay in the 1940s. And you can't let this happen. You have to get as viscerally upset as I am. You can't just take this lightly. A gang is trying to steal an election. A gang is lying about a duly elected president as flawed as he is. He never did any of the things that this this Pelosi is saying he did. He never threatened to withhold military aid. He never jeopardized our national security. The money was given to Ukraine. He never undermined our national security. Joe Biden undermined our national security. Joe Biden blackmailed Ukraine. Joe Biden bribed Ukraine to give his son a dumb son a job like that. That's the reality of this. But because jerks in the media with no conscience, 
jerks in the media with no brains who they gave a pair of glasses to. Jake Tapper. Uh, putz. Jake Tapper couldn't shine my shoes in terms of intellect. Jake Tapper is not fit to pick up my dog Teddy's droppings. I wouldn't hire him as a dropping picker-upper. A stooge they got with a pair of clear glasses. One after the other. That other moron. Jake Tapper, then the other moron from Politico. That other putz. I know a garbage man who has more intelligence than that one from Politico. That other schmuck. What's that one's name? I don't even remember his name. There's so many of these interchangeable nun-men. These nun-men, these pets. Another one isn't fit to pick up my dog's toenail clippings. NBC News. With the peacock. Moron knows nothing. A stooge, an altar boy. Does what they tell him to do. Reads the script they give him to read. That's who they are. Government Media Complex, 1998. Wise man in the media. Gave a speech. Beware the government media complex. Me. Commonwealth Club. San Francisco. One of my important speeches, beware the government media complex. Because I saw how cozy the media was with Bill Clinton. I saw it then. Nothing has changed, only now it's gotten even worse. Now they're telling those of us who voted for Trump, drop dead, you're a Nazi pig, die. They're telling every one of us, no matter who we are, we're Nazi pigs who deserve to die, who should have our votes stripped. Do you understand how vile she is? Do you understand how criminal the Democrat Party actually is trying to pull this off. But on top of stealing an election, she has the balls or the audacity, if you want me to put it that way, to tell us that she's doing it with a heavy heart because it's a very divisive thing. It's really hard for her to try to steal the presidency. Then she lies and says, we haven't made a decision to impeach. Then she says that she's going to be impeached for these reasons, but we haven't made a decision to impeach. Are you people this naive? I'm going to turn it over to you, by the way. Where's the whistleblower? I want to know why that putz has not been shown. The press should name the whistleblower. Who says that? The left-wing politico saying it. Even the left-wing politico, to maintain a shred of uh, credibility, is saying the press should name the whistleblower. Who made him sacrosanct? Who made this weakling plant from the CIA sacrosanct? Tell me. Have you ever seen the guy speak? I've, I've listened to him once. They did partially unmask him. I want him at a hearing, and I want Trump to face his accuser. I want Trump or his attorneys to have the right to face his accuser, this little plant, this little Stasi, this little Stasi member. Would have been very happy working for the secret police in Romania, this uh, little Triprioni, whatever the hell his name is. Who do they think they're fooling? Do they actually think that we, the American people, are that dumb? that were listening to Nancy Pelosi as corrupt as she is, a woman who has destroyed the state of California, who is now trying to do the same thing to America that she did to the state, flood America with illegal aliens so she can hold on to power forever, her and her sister over there on Pacific Heights. You think we're all that stupid? We, know, we don't know that you mismanaged and destroyed this city and this state? You think that everything's coming up roses? People are running out of the state. The only people running in here are the illegal aliens because you're giving them handouts. Everyone else I know is getting out of the state as fast as they can. They have destroyed one of the most beautiful places on earth. The forests are being ruined by drug gangs who are raising marijuana on forest land. Not a word from Nancy Pelosi. Shall I go down the list? The, the bums in the streets who are beating people up and crapping in front of restaurants and running businesses out of the city because people can't make a living here anymore. You think it's a joke? The crime wave of gangs coming over the bridges that she doesn't seem to know about. 
because she's protected by Secret Service and lives high on a mansion on top of a hill while the city is dying underneath her, her, her feet. Her and Feinstein have let the city die and let the state die. And you think we the people don't see what's going on? We do. The problem is we have no press. There is not a single newspaper in the state who will or can say the truth. Do you know any news reporters with their million-dollar trucks with the antennas running around San Francisco have ever reported on anything real? It's so sad to see these men and women. Maybe some of them want to tell the truth, but they're like an occupied country. They're like an occupied country. You see them driving around with their million-dollar news trucks with a big antenna covering a slip and fall, a fender bender, never, ever doing an investigative report on the corruption of this city and of this state. Not one investigation. Whatever happened to the train to nowhere that Governor Brown gleaned, uh, uh, conned a couple of billion dollars for? Where'd that go? Remember the con of the big train to nowhere down the Central Valley of California? No one knows where that went. Or if you drive in San Francisco, as I did last night, the roads are broken. They're building a tunnel for a subway that no one will ever use. We heard about the corruption of the big dig in Boston for years, remember? There were reports of the corruption of the big dig. Anyone raise their hand know what the hell I'm talking about? The big billion, multi-billion dollar boondoggle in Boston? The subway dig, all of the corrupt unions. Here in San Francisco, Van Ness Avenue is on. You can't drive on it. You can't drive on half the streets in the area where they're building this tunnel to nowhere. A, a, a subway in San Francisco? For what possible reason? One reason, union jobs and graft. Any other questions? It's that simple. That's all. But no one sees that. All of the schmucks in their million-dollar news trucks, shame on all of you. Shame on all of you guys who drive around in your trucks and are afraid to stand up for the truth. Shame on all of you in the news business. Shame on all of you with your news trucks, you liars, you. You're like prisoners. You're like captured prisoners. You know that you're afraid to walk out of your truck. You know that the gangs are coming up to your trucks and robbing your equipment right out of your hand, but you won't say a word for fear you'll be called a racist. You should be ashamed of yourselves. You're like the captured people of occupied nations. There's so much I could say that I haven't said already, but maybe I've said too much, so I'll take a break. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So the sterling character of Nancy Pelosi, known for being clean as uh, the driven snow, Never a question about her actions of steering contracts has ever come up, ever, as we all know. Uh, no questions have come up about um, solar farms in Nevada run by family members with government money because it's not true. None of it's true, as you well know. Even though it happened, it's not true because uh, the media doesn't report on it. Only what the media reports is true. This woman has the nerve to say Trump's Ukraine actions amount to bribery. That's their new iteration. First, it was, uh, what was the one... Uh, what was the one with Russia? What was it? Collusion, right? That was the key word. Collusion, 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 collusion. Now it's bribery, 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 bribery. I would argue that Pelosi is bribing the media with lies. She's feeding them lies and bribing them with her lies. How do you like that? In a few minutes, we're going to have a couple of guests on Manhunters, how we took down Pablo Escobar by two heroes of mine, Steve Murphy and Javier Pena. My guest today is Steve Murphy, and you may not know who he is. Uh, did anyone ever see Narcos on Netflix? Raise your hand if you have. I watched it several years ago, and I watched it again recently. And uh, this guy was one of the bravest men I've ever met 
in my life. He worked undercover in sting operations in Miami, and then he was sent to Colombia for the DEA where he worked with partner Javier Pena to, to track Escobar. And you got to understand something of why this story is so important to us here in America. Now, remember, the hit Netflix original series, Narcos, is what we're talking about, about Pablo Escobar. And today, Steve Murphy will be with us. He was with the DEA in the early days of the DEA. He was sent to Colombia, which was about as corrupt as a nation could be, where almost every office of government was corrupted by the narco-terrorists. And yet he survived all of that. He's sort of like many different heroes of ours, this man. I'd like to know where the heroes are today in America. We have a nation now under a violent criminal enterprise called the Democrats. This organization, by the way, called the Democrat Party, is no different in many ways than a cartel. And they've reached such a point of power madness that they've constructed an entire impeachment against the opposition party in order to gain gain all the power, hold it all. We couldn't get there, Michael. We didn't have time. We didn't have time. Senator Corleone... Governor Corleone. We'll get there, Pop. We'll get there. I I just like movies a lot. That's why the lyrics are coming back to me, the little narrative from that. So now we have a Democrat party that's completely concocted a fiction that Trump withheld military aid and threatened Ukraine, which the transcripts do not support, that he jeopardized our national security. And I never heard of anything like this. The Javelin missile money was sent there along with the missiles. It never happened. He undermined our national security, says Miss Pelosi. Again, I have to ask anyone listening to this show, how many people listening to the show? I don't know. Is there anyone listening to the show who could tell me how he undermined our national security? When did Ukraine become central to the American people's national security? Tell me when. No, our national security has been undermined for 20 years by Nancy Pelosi and the corrupt Democrat machine that has undermined American laws on immigration and has destroyed our border with Mexico. Now that's really undermining our national security. That's a real impeachable offense. But because the stooges like Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer, those sad men who must have had really dominating mothers, who turned them into the schmecklicks that they are, the little schmendricks, easily moved like marshmallows with eyeglasses, how in the world can these men face themselves? And I, I know they go to parties with their own friends, They tell each other how great they are. Hey, Wolf, if you're listening, or Jake, if you're listening, and occasionally you may listen just to hear what people really think of you, as opposed to what you think we think of you. Remember that famous story where that actor looked up at the White House when the jets flew over, when I think one of the Democrats took over, and he said, no, no, don't be mad at the Air Force. That's our Air Force now. Jake and Wolf, let me tell you something. It's our Air Force now. It's our Air Force now. You keep this up. Go ahead, keep this up. If you think push won't come to shove and there won't be a pushback, you are mistaken. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Welcome back to the uh, Savage Nation. Many of you know I'm a real fan of movies, particularly action movies, gangster movies, things like that. And the hit Netflix series, Narcos, I watched years ago, and I rewatched it again a few weeks ago with a new interest, a revived interest because of the corruption of the government. And there were two heroes in this uh, series who had the guts to uh, stick it out. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they survived. But 
Steve Murphy is one of them, and he wrote a new book called Manhunters, how he took down Pablo Escobar. And I'm very honored to say Steve Murphy joins us now on the Savage Nation. Steve, it is a real honor to have you on this program. Thank you for being with us. Oh, Michael, thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for calling me a hero. That's not a, a title we subscribe to, but it's nice to be called that. Now, you, when you started, you were with the DEA, or with which agency were you? Just to, to back it all up, before the DEA even existed, you were working for a, another federal agency? No, I was a uniformed police officer in a small town in southern West Virginia called Bluefield. Oh, and, and so what, then you were called into. How'd you get involved with going after Escobar from a little job like that? <laughs> well, you know, narcotics cases always interested me, and, and uh, I was a uniform officer for six years, and then I was a railroad police officer for about five and a half years. And while I was a railroad cop, uh, another special agent with the railroad police, a former Virginia State Trooper, had previously worked with the DEA as a task force officer in Virginia. And mm-hmm. that uh, he told me stories, and, and, you know, it just really piqued my interest, and I really wasn't happy as a railroad detective and uh, applied. It took me a couple of years, got the job. But which job was it, Steve? You became the DEA job? Yes, sir. I became a special agent with, with the Drug Enforcement Administration. Okay, but the big story here is that you were facing not only a drug cartel, which killed everyone in sight. How many thousands did, did that maniac Pablo Escobar kill? You know what? That's a great question because we do, uh, you know, we, talk, we tour the real world telling the true story about Pablo Escobar. And we attribute ten to 15,000 murders to Pablo, but one of his own henchmen, the only surviving member of the Medellin cartel on film, says that number is over 50,000 people that Pablo Escobar murdered. All in the name of greed. All in the name of greed. And he flooded America with cocaine, right? I mean, fundamentally. He did, you know, and he got in a position where he was responsible for 80% of the world's cocaine. So think about that, Michael. If, if you're running a business, wouldn't you love to have 80% of the market? Well, how did he do this? Obviously, he did it through, through uh, killing people. But he, according to the Narcos show in your book, uh, Manhunters, Mr. Murphy, it was because of the corruption of the Colombian government at the time, correct? Well, it was, but not the entire government. So one of the, one of the rumors that we try to dispel when we do our, our talking and, and in the book as well is, there was some corruption in the Colombian National Police, but it wasn't nearly as bad as everybody thinks it was. It, you know, I think the whole time I was there, which was three years, I only know of three police officers that were arrested down there. And my partner, Javier Pena, was there for six and a half years. And it just wasn't as bad as everybody believes it was. Yeah, but according to, to Narcos, which is a, the Netflix show, so it's fictionalized then, where it went all the way up to the presidency? Well... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you don't have to answer the question. Uh, let's let it hang in the air. Let's talk about your life on how you took down Escobar. There's this infamous picture of you on a tiled roof where the drug kingpin has been shot dead with his number one hitman or Sicario, and you're, st- you're sitting there with the, with the police, and you're holding what appears to be a revolver. Is that correct? No, no I'm not holding a weapon. I'm holding him up by the shoulder. Oh, yes, he looks like an animal that you found uh, on the side of the road. Okay, I see that. Uh, You were there. In that gun battle, in that final gun battle, who who was the one who actually killed Escobar? Well, first of all, let me just dispel another rumor, another fallacy of the show Narcos. And I love the show, so don't get me wrong. But in Narcos, it shows I was on the roof when Pablo Escobar was killed. That is absolutely false. I was back at the base, uh, the police base, the Carlos Holguin School, with all the other Americans and all the other, the rest of the members of the search block, 
And after Pablo was dead, I rode out to the scene with Colonel Martinez. I understand. I, I, that's fine. But you would put a good part of your life into, into tracking him down and, and permitting that to happen, right? I mean, that's why you went there, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so no one should take that away from you. I'm very curious, before we go on with the book Manhunters, where is Javier Pena today? I hope he's still out there and doing this stuff. What is he doing? Yeah, he's, he and I are still partners. Uh, we both retired in, in 2013. Uh, we just did a few things here and there, but when Narcos came out, our speaking business really took out. So we're finishing up the fourth year of what our, our agents call the world tour, telling the true story of Pablo Escobar. We average about 75 appearances, appearances per year. Oh, my God. I'd like to know who your lecture agent is. It sounds like a good one, but you have a great story to tell. Uh, <laughs> Steve Murphy worked undercover sting operations first in Miami, then dispatched to Columbia, and he worked with Javier Pena, Pena to track Pablo Escobar. Now, here's a, a sensitive question. I'm not trying to be a, a wise ass, but Steve, are you at all afraid, even to this day, that some of his henchmen are, are out to get you? Well, actually, no, and, and I don't mean that to come off as I'm some kind of brave, tough guy, because I'm not. Um, the reason I'm not worried about it is because this was the first time that we took out an entire international cocaine trafficking organization. We didn't chop off the snake. We took the whole snake. To our knowledge, there's only one surviving member, and that's that guy Popeye down in, in Columbia now that, you know, he's got his own Netflix show, his own book, his own series. I mean, this <laughs> he's doing tours down there. Who, who is some some king, some cocaine kingpin? Well, he was one of the Sicarios for Pablo. He was one of the guys. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, Pablo's hitman, right? They made a series about him as well, right? Yeah, yeah. That's And so to our knowledge, he's the only surviving member so we're, you know, I mean, we're really not too worried about it. Uh, we don't ask for security details and things like that when we go to other countries. Uh, other, mm. We booked twice to go to Mexico, and we did want security details there, but both uh, of those trips were, were canceled for safety reasons. Oh, okay. Well, you're bringing up another sensitive point, because after the show Narcos, they did Narcos Mexico, which shows a brutality that's almost equal in Colombia in some ways. Isn't isn't Mexico now becoming what Colombia was when you were there in some ways? Oh, my gosh. The, the, the violence is just atrocious. I mean, the acts of terrorism that are going on down there, this, this thing that happened you know, last week with the Mormon families, three women and six children just massacred. It's, it's senseless. It's ridiculous. You know, I had another DEA agent. It was an old friend of mine, Michael Levine. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him. He was on the show last week. And Mr. Levine uh, said right on this program that he believes they were targeted because uh, they were sending a message to the other Mormons in the area to get the hell out of there. And, of course, then all the other Mormons left this week. They actually le they've been in Mexico for a long time. They all left because they were terrorized to get out of there and leave behind everything except the suitcase they could carry with them. And uh, what do you think the, the murder of those American Mormons was about? Do you agree with that? Well, you know, I actually listened to that, that interview. I, I've not had the pleasure of, meet, of uh, meeting Mike Levine in person. I have read uh, one of his books when I was a younger, younger agent. Hmm. Um, and I did hear his theory there. I haven't heard that from anywhere else. Hmm. I can imagine that, you know, they probably did want them out of the area. You know, I saw on television, they interviewed one of the ladies that uh, still lived in the compound, and she said, oh, you know, it's common for us to come out in our cars, and they surround us with guns. Then they recognize us and let us go. I'm thinking, how many times does that have to happen before you get the message? They don't want you here. It's time to go. Mm. Why did they want the Mormons gone, though? 
you know, I don't know. And, and I've actually, my partner and I, we've tried to find out a little bit of information to see what's going on. And uh, it's everybody's being very tight-lipped about, you know, what the motives are here. But we know from past acts of violence, these guys, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, they go to a nightclub one night with a bag full of seven decapitated heads and roll those out onto a dance floor. I mean, how much sicker can you get? Hmm. Sounds like ISIS south of the border. We're speaking about a book, but it's not about a book. It's about a very important story. It's called Manhunters, how he took down Pablo Escobar. And Steve Murphy was there. He was one of the DEA agents who played a principal role uh, in this story. So this is something I really don't know the answer to, Steve. The amount of cocaine coming into America today is probably greater than it was then, despite the fact that Escobar is gone. Is that true? If uh, if it's not greater, it's probably equal to. It's, uh, I don't see the situation that's any better now than it was back then. Isn't that something? So despite all of the hard work, all the lives lost, the decimation of a major figure like that, the amount of cocaine has never really gone down, and now we have an opioid crisis, which is worse than the cocaine crisis in the 80s, I would say. Wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's uh, that's one thing that Javier and I are addressing now. Also, you know, just because we retired, we didn't we didn't stop trying to do what we think is right. And we work with a couple of organizations trying to bring more awareness. We're trying to uh, we're working with our our, our uh, talent agent is the United Talent Agency, and they're working to secure a couple of uh, potential series where we could really bring the light to that and show what DEA is doing because DEA is doesn't do a real good good job of marketing yourself to the public it's very secretive hmm. well i don't want to switch gears over to the opioid crisis because your book is about the cocaine crisis but apparently we still have a cocaine crisis because americans have an insatiable appetite for this drug isn't that still the case that that you hit the nail right on the head michael when you say that because you know even when i was living down there in the early 1990s you get to be friends with a lot of these coming police officers because you're you're living in the same compound, you know, you're sharing the same meals, you're going out on operations with them, and you get to be friends with these guys, and you get into a lot of personal conversations with them, and a lot of times the conversation would roll around to, you know, the cocaine problem in the world, and, you know, our stance would be, well, you know what, if you guys could get control of the cocaine labs here, the people like Pablo Escobar and the Rodriguez or Whaler brothers and all the other drug traffickers, wouldn't that help? And they, every time they'd win the argument with this one statement, if you didn't have the demand in the United States, we wouldn't have a production problem here in Colombia. And that is absolutely true. Hmm. Well, what can be done about the demand for cocaine? People want stimulants. They want to hide. They want a slight euphoria. It sounds benign, but it isn't. Cocaine is a very addictive drug. In fact, back in the 80s, I, when I was in the medical field, I wrote a book called Getting Off Cocaine, incidentally, only because I was trying to use nutritional therapies to try and wean people off these drugs. But that's irrelevant to this discussion. What would happen if cocaine were legalized in America is, is an interesting question to me. Would it stop this, this in some ways, the crime? No. In my opinion, no. And this is, you know, when we do our shows, we have a question and answer session at the end of every show where people can ask us questions. And pretty much everything is on the table. We don't shy away from the hard questions except legalization simply because it just ends up in an argument. And, our, you know, we have a very limited time frame to, to do our little mm. But in my opinion, legalization is not going to work. Legalization of marijuana, legalization of, of pain pills, cocaine, whatever it might be, is not going to work. So we've seen some of our states here are now legalizing marijuana. Has that stopped the violence? Absolutely not. 
We still no. No, I'm totally opposed to marijuana because it is an entry-level drug. It's also very addictive. Uh, there are many reasons I oppose this insanity of en engaging with marijuana. It's especially damaging to young people. It's producing an awful lot of problems that haven't been seen yet. But I think I, I want to stick best to the book because that's what you're here to talk about, and that's your, your work in bringing down uh, uh, Pablo Escobar. Now, you had a $300,000 bounty on your head at the time, right, uh, from the cartels? And that, that, I would say the $300,000 bounty then would be, what, $3 million today? Uh, at least, I would think. And how, how did you avoid getting uh, uh, knocked off? <laughs> That's a really good question because, you know, I'm, I'm, I come from an English-Irish background. I'm about as white as you get. I don't blend into it. <laughs> kind of stick out like a sore thumb down there, you know, but um, quite honestly, you know, and a lot of people hate it when I say this, but this is the truth. Uh, Javier and I are both Christians, and we believe that, that God, the good Lord up above, has a plan for all of us, and his plan wasn't for us to be killed down there. Wow. We're not supermen. We're not tough guys. We're just a couple of professional law enforcement officers that got to work a really big case. Hmm. So give credit to the Columbia National Police, because we worked with a very elite unit down there, the Dehing unit. These guys, you know, honestly, these are the guys that risked their lives to keep us safe. These are the guys that we came to trust, and we knew that when a firefight started, you know, they'd stay in a the fight. They wouldn't run off and leave you. Mm. We also knew because of that mutual trust and respect that we wouldn't run off and leave them. Wow. So that's what we believe. So it's still an ongoing war, and the DEA is still fighting it, Correct. Oh, yeah, they're um, brave men of DEA. God bless them all. They're, they're super people. No one ever hears from the DEA anymore. They are a very secretive behind-the-scenes agency, and that's a topic for another uh, uh, time. In the interim, I want to conclude this particular interview with Mr. Murphy with a plug for the book called Manhunters, How We Took Down Pablo Escobar by Mr. Murphy and Javier Pena. And if you watch the uh, Netflix series Narcos, you're going to want to know the story behind it. And uh, Mr. Murphy, again, you remain a hero of mine, and uh, I know you don't want to hear it, but you are. There aren't too many men out there who would do what you did or could do what you did. And I wish to God that you'd meet President Trump one day and he'd make you the head of something in this government right now like uh, we need so badly. Steve Murphy, thanks for being with us on The Savage Nation. Thank you, Michael. It's an honor to be on here with you. Great guy, really great guy. It's one of the nicest interviews I've done because he is a hero of mine. You know, when you watch fiction based upon reality, and then you meet the character upon whom the fiction was written and created. And then you have him on your show. That, my friends, is happiness. Back in a moment on The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, The Savage Nation. You know, that interview was very interesting to me because we talked about corruption in Colombia during the cocaine period of uh, Pablo Escobar. And I see corruption in this nation like I've never seen in my entire life. And they get away with it because they completely own the press, one, two, three. There is no newspaper in the state of California that will take on any of the Democrats in the Dem machine, not one. When have you last seen an article talking about corruption amongst Democrats, about bribery amongst Democrats, about ruining the election process in the state of California by flooding the, ba the, uh, the ballot box with illegal aliens? When have you last seen that? Never. They may as well be owned wholly owned subsidiaries of the Democrat machine. Right after this show, I'm going to be watching outtakes from my movie 
of An Evening with Michael Savage, and it's only up for 17 more days for you to watch it, and then it will disappear from the web forever. So don't miss your chance to see this rare Savage Live event. You can go to SavageNationLive.com and see the performance for yourself, judge for yourself, and I'm going to enjoy myself seeing all the outtakes that didn't make it to the movie. Maybe I'll do another movie of the outtakes that didn't make it to the movie. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 